I'm watching a movie where this guy's boat tipped over. And he's in the middle of the ocean with a life preserver. Yeah, it's a life preserver, all right. Until the sharks get there. It's like beer on ice until the party starts. The shark don't want you dying and sinking sink to the bottom where he can't get you. Here's a little friendly reminder about being saved. We're saved by faith and not... and um, uh, uh, Early in the morning, blip, 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 tripping over my tongue. We're saved by faith and judged by works. So it does matter what we do down here on earth. The book says faith without works is as dead as the body without breath. And I got news for you. If you're truly saved as a child of God, you should want to do good deeds. First for God, others, and then yourself. The Bible talks about three heavens. The first is the atmosphere with the birds and clouds. The second heaven is space with planets and stars. The third heaven is where God dwells, which is above us. You know, our Father who art in heaven, as the prayer says. The Bible talks about creating a new heavens and a new earth, which will be a paradise full of love, peace, happiness, and joy. Without sin, evil, wickedness, corruption, death, pain, and suffering of any kind. Since there will be a new heaven and earth, obviously the old will be done away with. Many people believe that this paradise will be the paradise comparable to when Adam and Eve lived. Which included animals, by the way. The Bible talks about a new Jerusalem or a holy city descending from heaven to earth where God will join us and dwell among us for eternity. Kind of sounds like we won't necessarily be going up to heaven, but heaven will be coming down to us on earth. Whatever the logistics, there will be a new heaven and a new earth with a new glorified body. Everything being new, with the most important thing being that we will now be face-to-face in the presence of God Almighty and Jesus Christ for eternity. And there will be no more darkness. There will be a divine light that shines forever, which makes sense because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We, along with the angels, will be glorifying God in so many different ways every day of our lives. There will be no more questions to answer, no more doubt, no more putting God on the witness stand. No, it will be a new, beautiful kingdom as we live truly as children of God, as we all recognize God Almighty as God our Father. And the gifts that we have been given down here on earth will continue in the new heavens and the new earth, because anything that God touches is everlasting. It's eternal. So the things that, so the things that we love to do down here on earth, I believe we'll be, we'll be doing later in some capacity. And the believers who didn't discern the will of the Lord and use their gifts for whatever reason will now be allowed to do so in our new supernatural life. Hey, remember years ago at sporting events, this guy with a a rainbow-colored afro? And at that time, we thought that was outrageous. Now we have kids with rainbow-colored private parts. So weird. But this guy held up a sign, John 3.16. Do we know what John 3.16 says? It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Some Christians debate over this word begotten, as if it means created, as a son or daughter might be begotten by their parents which would imply that Jesus himself was begotten by the Father, possibly in the very beginning, the beginning of this planet and life as we know it. On the other hand, others will say that the word begotten only means one of a kind, or only, or unique, no other like it. This is a logistical disagreement between English and Greek definitions of the word begotten. Feel free to indulge if you like, but on your own time, because that's as far as I'm going to go with it. 
except to say that I do believe Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, who is also God, and like God, had no beginning or end. Because in John chapter 1, verse 1, in my Bible, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, as we know, is Jesus, Logos, he's called. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So you got to be careful with words and phrases in the Bible because it can be confusing. For instance, the word lion was used both for God and Satan as God is portrayed as a roaring lion and Satan portrayed as a prowling lion looking to devour, devour humans. The term morning star was, both, was used for both also. The uh, phrase sons of God was used in the Bible which could mean both angels and believers. So this is why we study the Bible. Somebody asked me once, uh, why, why does the Bible have to be so difficult? Why couldn't it be easy, like reading a comic book? Well, she just answered her own question, because if it was easy, easily read like a comic book, you would pick it up once or twice at the most and never read it again. It being so simplistic and obvious. But with the Bible, it's totally different. It's meant to be difficult, where you need to study it and spend hours, months, years, or even a lifetime reading it over and over. Otherwise, you'd pick it up once and never a second time. Now, when Jesus walked this planet, he was both God and man, representing to us what God was all about. The book says... Jesus, who was made for a little while lower than the angels, that through God's gracious will, he might taste death for the sake of all men. Yeah, God would have to do that in order for God, in order for Jesus to really feel the full impact of what it's like to be a human being and to experience the real pain and suffering of being crucified. And this is partially the reason why Jesus Asked somebody once, why do you call me good? Because God the Father is the only one that is good. See how things tie in after years of studying the Bible? That's why the Bible is a holy book. No other like it. Just like us humans, we're all unique. And that goes the same for animals, birds, and fish. You may say that all trout and robin look the same, but to other fish and birds, they don't. There ain't no duplicates, no carbon copies. God makes it and then breaks the mold. That's how he works. Other words in the Bible are incredibly important, like the word rapture and trinity. Oops, wait a minute, wait just a minute there. They do not appear in the Bible. Interesting, isn't it? I sometimes wonder where the Holy Spirit is at the end of time if he's an actual person. Not much mention of that, if at all, in the Bible. And when Jesus says that he and God are one, what does he exactly mean by that? Because God describes a marriage uh, of a husband and a wife as one. They become one, the husband and the wife along with the mass of believers in Jesus, united as one. And as we know, a married couple and a population of people can never be one being. But to me, it really doesn't matter. Because I believe in God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That is the most important thing. It's the only thing that matters, not necessarily the sometimes confusing logistics of it all. Now I'm wondering how many people out there are calling me a heretic at this very second. Do you want me to burn at the stake like some church did many years ago? Don't be so quick to call names, especially the heretic one. Maybe you're the heretic. Did you ever think of that? Or maybe we are all well-meaning Christians trying to find the truth. And since we are fallible human beings... Sometimes we, not, we, we might not get it exactly right. Doesn't that include all of us? 
So let's stop fighting with one another and build up and, and, and continue to build up walls between us. That's no good. Remember, we're on the same side, believing in Jesus Christ. Okay, let's see what we learned so far, shall we? Don't bring up God is a radio show hosted by Robert with his sometime friend and nemesis. I can't tell which. The board guy. It airs every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 on WAEB, 790 AM. Don't Bring Up God is a live call-in show at 610-720-7900, where you can give comments of intelligence, wisdom, stupidity, ridiculousness, or even insanity. Now that's what real freedom is all about. We play no favorites here. Come one and all. Except maybe for you, listening at the kitchen table, unshaven, in your polka dot underwear. You, maybe we can do without. We've also learned we can agree and disagree with the content of God in the Bible without wishing hell upon each other. So let's keep this locomotive radio show going. And call 610-720-7900. The book says, the reason why Christ died for sins once for all, the just man for the sake of the unjust, was that he might lead you to God. There you go. That sums it all up. That Jesus will lead us all to God Almighty in heaven one day. That is our cause. That is our prize. The book says he was put to death insofar as fleshy existence goes, but was given life in the realm of the spirit. Remember, God and Jesus are indescribable, unexplainable spiritual beings. I like how people envision God as this grandfatherly chap with a long gray beard with a deep voice. Maybe with a limp? Are you serious? You think that's how he is? That's why arguments whether God is a man or a woman or black or white, it's all ridiculous. He's not human. And, we're, and when we're made new with a new glorified body, we ourselves will be less human. We become now more of a mix exclusively in the image of God after his likeness. Something to look forward to, for sure. Like anxiously looking forward to your husband coming home from a four-day business trip. Yeah, that's when you're young. When you get older, you recommend that he stay an extra two or three days. Yeah, go ahead, honey. You deserve it. As she says to herself, just like I deserve an extra break from you. Now, when Jesus died... There were three days until he resurrected. And some people think he went to hell or heaven or this place or that. Let's start with what the Bible says. After Jesus' after Jesus's death, without his body that was still in the tomb, of course, the book says it was in the spirit also that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Now, who are these spirits in prison? And again, you get varying stories, but what, what I can determine is this. After piecing it together in the book of Jude and Genesis, among other places, I believe the spirits were fallen angels who somehow had sex with women in Genesis, Genesis time, giving birth to the Nephilim. In the book of Jude, it says that these spirits partaking in lustful acts like Sodom and Gomorrah were thrown into prison with chains. It was a hell or holding cell until the end of time. This is where Jesus went between his death and resurrection. The book says they, the fallen angels, they had disobeyed him as long ago as Noah's day. While God patiently waited until the ark was built. At that time, a few persons, eight in all, escaped in the ark through the water. Now, this being saved through the water parlays into our baptism today. As the book says, you are now saved by a baptismal, baptismal bath, which corresponds to this exactly. So this baptism is no removal of any kind of sin. That's not what the Bible says, removal of sin. Listen. The book says, this baptism, it says in black and white, is no removal of physical stain, but the pledge to God of an irreproachable conscience through the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Somebody told me that baptism is to Christianity as a wedding ring is to marriage. It's symbolic of the greater activity where you don't necessarily need a physical baptism or a wedding ring to still be a Christian or to still be married. Paul even said in no uncertain terms that I'm not here to baptize you. I'm here to teach you the word of God so you know who Jesus is. The book says he went to heaven and is at God's right hand with angelic rulers and powers subjected to him. Now, people think that Jesus is literally sitting at the right hand of God. All these years just sitting there. Really? Again, God and Jesus are not human beings, okay? This is anthropomorphic symbolism to make it easier for us to understand what's going on so we can get, it, get the overall picture in human terms. Here's some more symbolic and figurative speech. The book says, Enter through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to damnation is wide. The road is clear and many choose to travel it. But how narrow is the gate that leads to life? How rough the road and how few there are who find it. That word gate is used several times throughout the Bible. Very interesting word that conveys very quickly who's in and who's out. And it's easy for those who are out to fall for the way of the world. Sickness especially since we're brainwashed from womb to rigor mortis. Yeah, even in the womb, we're tarnished with the outside sounds of nutsville. As babies can hear your unnecessary anger and cursing, don't think they can't. You know, rigor, rigor mortis is two words, not one. Always thought it was one. Huh. The word gate was also brought up when talking about God's flock. The book says, whoever does not enter the sheepfold through the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a marauder. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be safe. How many more times do we have to hear that Jesus is the way and that there is no other? If you deny him and reject him, you're really rejecting yourself because you're only hurting yourself because God is here to help us. And it doesn't matter who you are, by the way, and what you've done. Remember this. This is such a great line. You probably should write it down. God's love is greater than your sin. And if you think your sin is greater than God's love, then you're saying that God is not all-powerful. Think about it. God's love for you is greater than your sin. That's the way it's always been, and it will never change. Hey, we got a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Rudy. Hey, Rudy, what's up? Hey, um, Robert, um, you know, me and my wife got um, the book of Enoch. Right. Did you ever read this book before? No, I did not. Okay. Um, it kind of talk about the same thing you talk about, I think, like what's uh, talked about in Genesis, but in kind of like more detail, but a little bit different, of course. About the, Neph- um, about the Nephilim, the giants. Yes, um, yes. And actually, it talked in detail about multiple hells. It's not more than one. It's multiple places um, and uh, multiple um, spots for certain um, creatures or uh, entities, if you want. Depending on the level of your sin, maybe. Yes, or, uh, yes, and, um, you know, like the people probably, like, weigh in and those Nephilim, those um, angels, and um, I think they call them chirping uh, uh, ch- or chirping, something like that. Okay. Um, they they like like angels, but they're not angels. Like more animals, you know. That's the one with wings. Okay, and, and the point uh, and the point of all this. So basically, and um, it was saying about how they smell like sulfur and all that. Uh, anyway, so the point of this, you know, when I think they're talking about, you know, everybody can't talk about aliens and um, 
and they talk, um, you know, aliens or spells and all of these things and demons. I think that's what they are, you know, that's what the demon is. And it says here how these um, uh, entities, actually, they brought astrology and they're the one basically taught uh, human beings the the art of magic and uh, evil and, um, you know, like um, witchcraft and all of that. Okay. I mean, that's debatable either way. I mean, there's arguments on both sides. To me, I've got to say that it just clouds the waters for me uh, to go in those opposite directions of the Bible. Uh, and sometimes it collaborates, but sometimes no, but, it confuses. I, I, thought, I thought it's, you know, it's a, it's a book of, you know, I think it you know, uh, Robert, look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I know you can believe whatever you want, but, you know, you can't, clearly, you cannot use this Bible that you probably use today as... Um, okay, as, we talked know, about this before. We talked about this before, and there's other Bibles that weren't included, other books that weren't included. I understand you know, you all that. You can't use uh, some, you know, a Roman or, you know, English, uh, you know, English Bible that was written two, three hundred years ago and tell me, you know, you think you have the right thing and everybody else okay. is wrong. Well, yeah, you I'm say not. that I can't, but nevertheless, I do. <laughs> uh, I, I well, just hold the Bible as uh, the yeah, one and only. Can't, you can't say whatever you want, but, you know, still, it won't hold. It won't hold weight when you say it because I know you don't, you don't have the right Bible, definitely. All right, but it it holds weight for me, and uh, we disagree from time to time, but I think we're basically on the same page. Thanks for the info. Okay, thank you, Paul. The book says, rather, Jesus says, or both, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's exactly the reason why Jesus came down to earth, to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins so we don't have to, in order to give us life and happiness and contentment and peace down here on earth, and in especially heaven to come. You think God sent Jesus down here just for kicks? For no reason whatsoever? Because if you claim you could live your life without Jesus, then that's exactly what you're saying. It just doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus be here for some of us and not all of us? If that's the case, then you might as well throw out the Bible because it's either all or nothing. It's either for everybody or for nobody. You decide. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But if you, if you don't know who Jesus is and what he did for you, you still have time. You're still living. You're still breathing, right? Just open up the Bible, pray for godly insight, and listen to sincere Christians speaking the Word of God. Come with an, um, a humble, open heart, and it will sink in, because it's never too late. Two other great quotes from the Bible are, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him. And here's the other. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that means you and me, no exceptions. Like when everybody had to run laps for the football team years ago. I once tried to get out of it by claiming my stomach hurt. And the coach looked at me and he said, Oh, you got a little tummy ache, do you? And then he said, just get out there. Before I tell the rest of the team that Bobby has a little tummy ache. <laughs> so I took off. Coach could be very persuasive. People are so concerned about politics today. Instead of being on left or right, like your very life depends on it, how about being up or down? Heaven or hell? Yeah, your life does depend on that, comrades. 
Don't bring up God keeps it all in perspective. No donkey or elephant party here, just God and the Bible. Don't bring up God is here uh, Sunday mornings on WAEB 790 AM from eh, 8 to 9, give or take. Give Robert a call at uh, 610-720-7900. And by the way, is donkey Democrat or Republican? Eh, who knows? Who cares? That number again to call is uh, 610-720-7900. And we got a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Uh, Larry, how are you, Rob? Good. What's up, Larry? Good. I just wanted to tell you that I've been listening to your show and I perceive that God has given you great understanding through the Word of God. The things that I hear you say tells me that you have real understanding of the Word of God. Understanding is not easy to come by. Only God gives us that. And I just want to say that keep on the good work and keep on trotting on. You have great understanding of the Word of God. And thank and you and, for such a time like this. And thank you, and I feel the same about you also when you came on the show and talked um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, praise God. I mean, it, it's, all, it's all God's doing, and we should feel honored and privileged to have that ability. Yes, thank you. All right, take care. Have a good day. We got another call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Hello? Yeah, what's up? Oh, just wanted to uh, <clears throat> verify your guy that just called in uh, before this other guy about the Book of Enoch. Right. Um, it says in there that, <clears throat> that a remote generation would be shown these books and they would... They would receive them <clears throat> with great blessing. And if you go through it, and if you know the scriptures, um, I marked in mine all the different scriptures that that go hand in hand with uh, the first book, of the uh, the prophet Enoch. I understand. I mean, there are parallels for sure. And as I said, I did not read it, uh, maybe bits and pieces years ago. But there if are you, parallels. Uh, I, I don't deny it, that. If you get it, it would, you'd be very blessed by the information that's in there because it does explain how the uh, angelic host took uh, mankind's women um, for wives, and it was very evil. And they were the ones that produced the giants. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it was a very good blessing to me when somebody told me about it. And then I <clears throat> went and got it, and I share it with as many Christian people as I can because it it opens a lot of doors to uh, information that uh, normally it's not. It's too vague in the scriptures itself. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't have the details. Okay. Uh, but I, I sometimes think it might open doors in a good way, but also may open doors in a negative way if it's not the actual inspired Word of God. But perhaps well, I will... the problem is, is it got a black eye because of the Masonic Lodge. That's why one of the reasons they threw it out, because it was one of the original books of the Apocrypha books. And I also had that same thing with... Uh, some of the other books, when I first read them, I was like, eh, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. But it wasn't until I saw the uh, findings of a man called uh, Ron Wyatt. I don't know if you're familiar with him over there in the Middle East. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, it wasn't until till I saw that that I I went to the the book, the second book of Maccabees chapter 2, because it doesn't say anything about the Ark of the Covenant after Jeremiah the prophet. Well, in there, it says that Jeremiah was told by the Lord to take it and to hide it in a cave before the Babylonians would take over uh, Israel because of their wickedness. Okay. I appreciate yours and Rudy's sincere feedback, 
and perhaps, like I said, maybe I will investigate one day. Well, Thank- if I get a chance, I will send you a book of it, and I will mark it that you can take it and open your Bible okay. and compare it to things that are said in right. your Scripture. But as I always said, the Bible has so much, it's going to take me another... 900 years to saturate myself with the Bible. It's so much information there. But I, but your point is well taken. Thanks for the call. Hey, I had uh, Pastor Arthur Palowski from Canada with us last year. And I, and I want to bring up him again because I read a great story about him. And it goes like this. Arthur's wife gave birth to their son. Um, and when he was born... Uh, he was born with his organs all discombobulated, where his heart was actually on the other side of his chest. And after an attempted operation, doctors told, told them, he and his wife, that there is nothing they could do. That he was about to die very soon, this newborn baby of Arthur and his wife. And Arthur did not react well to this news at all. He basically came within an inch of, a, of a, an inch of going crazy, asking God, "Why and how can this be happening to his son and to his family?" And he ended up having a dream one night that turned everything around, where Arthur basically saw the light and comfort in God's majesty and sovereign control. He got to the point where he accepted God's will for his life. And even though he prayed that his son would survive, he now accepted Jesus fully in his heart, promising that whether his son lived or died, that he would continue being a servant of God. He was reminded of Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham was told to sacrifice his son, where Abraham followed blindly, even though it was against every fiber of his body to do so. Abraham was willing to actually kill his son thinking that God could res- re- could resurrect him uh, in order to have the many descendants that God promised him initially. So Arthur learned from Abraham to accept God's will no matter what. And as I said, whether his son lived or died, he would serve the Lord. He made that promise. So what happened shortly after that was that the doctors called in Arthur and his wife for an emergency meeting. But it wasn't an emergency in a bad way. It it was an emergency celebrating a miracle because the doctors told them that somehow the organs realigned in his body properly. And there was absolutely no explanation whatsoever on how it happened. They deemed it impossible to occur, but yet it did to the point where Arthur now has a healthy teenage son living a full life. So God did answer Arthur's prayer of life for his son, but only after Arthur saw the light and gave his life to God. I went through this similar experience with my son Tyler. Unfortunately, people that are addicted to drugs have oftentimes more than one OD that they thankfully recover from, and it was no different with my son. There was one evening when Tyler collapsed outside in 20-degree weather to be discovered the next morning. He was non-responsive, having literally every organ in his body fail. The doctors later told us that the only reason he was still alive was because of the freezing weather slowing down his metabolism. He then was hooked up, Tyler was, to a machine that filled, that filtered his um, blood out of his body and then back in after getting oxygenated because his lungs were not functioning. The odds of him surviving were incredibly low. But because of our belief in God and prayer, I knew he'd recover, which he did after learning how to eat and walk again. It, It was incredibly brutal on so many levels But our faith in God is what saved his life, to give him another year of life in which he learned more about Jesus Christ, solidifying his final destination. The book says, whoever believes in Jesus will never perish but have eternal life. Now, the next time 
Tyler had an overdose, it, it felt so different to me. Felt that it was the end this time. And naturally, a parent will second guess and think, well, maybe we should have fought harder. But from what the doctors were saying, it seemed to be over. Uh, we later found out that even though we expected a cocaine overdose, it was fentanyl, something that we and many people were not even familiar with, never heard of it. But unfortunately, as many people know, uh, nowadays, fentanyl is a death sentence. I remember trying to comfort Tyler as he lay unconscious in the um, hospital bed, believing and hoping that he could still hear us talk to him, even though he could not respond. I told him that we love him. I said, Tyler, we love you and that it was okay. I told him to go to God, go to God. Now, <clears throat> now back to Arthur's situation and the dream that he had right before it seemed that his newborn son was about to die. God told him that you cannot save your son. You alone cannot save him. God said that he alone has that power, just as it was with Jesus. Nobody could have saved his life from dying on the cross except his father, God. He told Arthur that I could have saved my son, Jesus, but I didn't. Why didn't I? Because of you, he said, and everyone else that walks this planet. The suffering and pain had to take place for the greater good of all. And that's how I feel to a degree with my son, Tyler that his death changed my family members and friends' point of view, especially mine, bringing us all closer to Jesus Christ. This radio show, for instance, resulted from my son dying, along with a prison ministry. And I wouldn't have been doing any of it if it wasn't for my son Tyler's death. Uh, and, and it would, and it would, um, and, and would I like to have my son back? Of course I would, but not in the condition that he was, addicted to drugs and going through so much internal anguish, pain, and suffering. Some of my other family members wanted him back no matter the cost under any circumstances, but I always said no. He's at peace now, and he's with God now. Why would you want him back just to have him back? No, it's the quality of life. I don't want my son tortured down here psychologically and physically he, he got it he, he got in over his head and he couldn't get out I don't want him to return to that I believe that as long as he believed in Jesus Christ as he did it, it's time unfortunately to go and it's okay to go and I know that sounds cruel but sometimes death isn't the worst option Sometimes it's actually a solution because we don't know what ugly, evil future events may have occurred. I had a friend going through the same exact thing that I was going through, trying to deal with the son's addiction, and we both arrived at the same point where we basically told God, we're all out of bullets. We have no idea what else to do and that it's totally in your hands. Whatever happens... I trust you that you have your reasons. My friend's son survived and mine didn't. So what am I to do? Turn on God? No, never. Not in a million years. I won't do that. Because if I turn on God, I turn on myself and my family and especially Tyler and everything and everybody who I loved so much who died earlier. Just like Arthur coming to grips with his reality, and just like Abraham coming to grips with his, so did I. And hopefully millions of other people who have gone through similar situations. I, I say at the end of every show that all roads lead back to God, and they truly do. Because without God, there's no hope. With, with God, there's unlimited hope. As the Bible tells us to comfort each other with the fact that we will see our loved ones again. A comfort that can be held by believers and unfortunately not held by disbelievers. Because if you don't believe in God and Jesus and redemption and salvation in heaven, 
then you're just left holding the bag without a solution to your problem or crisis. The Bible says, comfort yourself and others knowing that you'll see him or her again. And that's exactly what I do. When I say all roads lead back to God and Tyler, we love you, we'll see you again. As I said before, I'm not talking to Tyler directly. I'm talking to myself and everybody who lost loved ones to encourage all of us and to comfort all of us knowing that we will see them again. We need to celebrate that fact. It's the only medicine, the only solution, the only hope that we have, the only thing that works, that puts our mind and heart to rest in order to give us peace. So thank God for God. Uh, The book says, as I was saying, the sufferings of the past will be as nothing compared to the glory of God where we get to the point where we actually thank God for going through the pain, suffering, and misery that we had to endure. Can you imagine that? Thanking God for the misery and the suffering? But suffering is a big part of life. Jesus did it for all of us, and we need to to sacrifice for him in return, and for others, and for ourselves. There's no way around it. And And if you try to get around it, you're not a Christian. We have to embrace it and accept it because you really don't have a choice. Remember that God in the end will judge our hearts. And sometimes people can't even verbalize what they're actually going through and thinking and feeling, but yet their heart is right. It's just that they can't put it in the words. And you know what? That's okay. God judges our hearts. He sees through all the facades, and he sees through all the pain and suffering. He gets through the weeds to the heart of the matter and knows if you're either with him or against him. Hey, we got a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Paul. Good morning, Rob. What's up? Hey, listen, I just want to say thanks for sharing this. You know, your uh, experience with your son. We're so sorry for, for his loss. Thank but, you, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. I also uh, would like to wish all the mothers and mama bears a blessed and happy uh, Mother's Day. And also, thanks for choosing life. You know, um, our children and grandchildren are God's most precious gift entrusted to us. So we need to raise them and nurture them in what is right, just, and holy. That's what the Bible says. And with all of that, we need to be involved in their lives and with their education. And and here I go again, but we have election coming up the, on Tuesday. So please get out there, see what your candidates are standing for, and then vote for morality. Vote for common sense, for heaven's sakes. It's, uh, it's another opportunity to stamp, step up and stand up for our kids and for their future. And I agree, and I think people need to hear this. As you tell us, um, week in, uh, week in, and week out, uh, because people need to be reminded before they actually do something. They hear it once or twice, they blow it off. But yeah. we have to be reinforced with these messages. Amen. That's that's right. There's uh, there's too much of that depraved indifference going on right now. Nobody, everybody's kind of like in a fog with their eyes half closed and stuff. There, they don't care. They don't want to get involved. And- but it's- we and, need to be getting old. And this depravity, there's there's four or five words. It's um, people nowadays are so corrupt, lawless, wicked, and what's the last one? Depraved. And, and you depraved. see it all the time. And God, with God, is the only way we can stop it. Thanks for the call. All right. Thanks. God bless. We got another call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Hey, morning, it's Joe. What's up? Hey, uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And, um, well, uh, Ru- Ru- yeah, Rudy brought up that topic again regarding do we have the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. But, again, I mean, the internal evidence states that we do. It's, it's God's Word that says He will preserve it. Psalm 12 Matthew five eighteen. Not one jot or tittle will pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Um, and the way I, I would suggest you do a study on how we got, especially the King James version. There's over I think thirty thousand 
copies of the Old Testament and, the, and what's called the Masoretic text. They keep finding more and more. It's all in agree, agreement. We have, um, you know, the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's all in agreement. I think there's plenty uh, of evidence to legitimize the yeah. Bible, and there's no way I'm going to go against the grain, especially at 63 years old. Right. Amen to that. And uh, then there's the question of, okay, the Book of Enoch. Well, I would suggest do a study in the Book of Enoch and just simply Google how the Book of Enoch uh, contradicts the Bible. And there's tons of verses in there that strictly, and even the apocryphal books, how they contradict the Scripture. Um, Just because it's mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean it's referencing an inspired book, because even Paul when he was addressing um, at Mars Hill, makes mentions of, you know, even some of your own poets that he was quoting. It would be like today quoting, say, uh, Jordan Peterson or um, <clears throat> Joe Rogan or someone who says something biblically correct but and referencing it. Hey, even this guy believes this. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like a politician. A politician will always give you bits and pieces of truth. Uh, but then mix in the lies. You got to be very careful. Got to let you go. Thanks for the call. Yep. Yep. Amen. We got another call. Who's this? Hey, Steady. How are you doing? What's up? Hey, I just wonder, you know, I just want to mention it's amazing over the years how every, like the world and science and everything, they try to disprove God, the Bible, and Jesus Christ. And you know, it's pretty funny. They all come up and. Yeah, and the Bible very real. Nobody gets it. You're they're gonna, they're gonna. So. No, I agree, hundred percent. Science is no match for God. God created no. science. Absolutely. So, okay, no. Hey, have a good one. Take hey, you care. too. Thanks for the call. Hey, well, uh, I guess Trump is more and more active. You notice his maneuvering. And I know most, and I know most people have plenty to say about that guy. But I do appreciate when he quotes the Bible. He said, as the book says, no one has ever seen God, yet if we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is brought to perfection in us. Trump then said, imagine what our country would accomplish if we would start working together or working toward one people under one God saluting one flag. And that, you know, that's all great stuff. I pray that he gets closer to God with, excuse me, without the ego and arrogance that we all know he has, and he'll be the first one to admit that he does. You know, hopefully he puts aside the quest for power and becomes humble, putting the American people first. And that's a good thing. And just as all other countries should put their people first, nothing wrong with that. And then we got Chelsea Clinton. Oh, man. Everybody always thought she was nutso, coming, being spawned by mother and father, Clinton. But she, she's out there. She's crazy. There is something seriously wrong with her, in my humble opinion. There just is. She's defending library books for kids that picture oral sex with a child and an adult. I mean, I hate to be blunt with you, but I have to. you got to realize what's going on here. She's trying to normalize pedophilia. That's what Chelsea Clinton is doing. Man, talk about perversion. And then she's partnering with the WHO and Gates with this program called The Big Catch-Up to make it a priority to vaccinate our little babies and children. Another crazy venture on her part, the nut, the nut, a wackadoo. You know, we got an immune system. That's good enough for me. You know, why don't you promote faith in Jesus? Why not? That would be a good thing. And as you know, illegal immigrants from all over the world are still crossing the southern border into the United States. But what you may not know is that the Chinese are loading through every day that we speak. And you think that's just by accident? No, China has invaded our, uh, China rather has invaded other countries in the past with the same strategy to first infiltrate the country with their own people, if not their own soldiers. So this coupled with this Confucius Center in many colleges is very alarming. The China government 
and leaders are not our friends. I've got no problem with the people, but it's the leaders as usual who operate in secret without nobody knowing their names. Hey, the border is crazy. Alex Jones and his people are the only ones going down there to expose it for real. And believe me, these Chinese people in their 20s, men, young men, are pouring through. Why? And look at our TV commercials. More and more, there are Chinese actors all over the place, including movies and TV shows. And on face value, I can, I can care less who the actors are. But to me, there's once again a conspiracy taking place right before our eyes. A Chinese takeover of sorts. One day making the United States China West. Exactly like my promo says. Do I have to play it again? We got a quick call. Quick call. You got 20 seconds. Go. Robert, thank you for your message. Thank you for your callers calling in. You guys, uh, you remind me of the fellow that stepped forward to help Christ carry the cross. Thank you. Wow. Nice analogy. Thank you very much for that, Stu. I, I very much appreciate it. We all do. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. W-A-E-B, Allentown. Listen on your free iHeartRadio app for all your music, radio, and podcasts.